This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast with me, Johnny Hart. Let's speak to this week's Oanda Senior Market Analyst, Craig Earlham in London and Ed Moyer in New York. Good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So I'd like to ask each of you on the general market movements of the week. Let's have uh, you first, uh, Craig, in London. What was your outstanding moment and what were the various movements of the week? Yeah, I mean, it's just been, it's been a bit of a strange week, to be quite honest. Um, it seems that we've kind of started on a more positive footing, which was surprising. Um, it kind of We were edging into earnings season with a very cautious tone, which is typically what you expect, especially when it has the potential to be such a big banana skin. Uh, but then we kind of, it didn't really last very long. And then we, early on in the week, we just started to see markets rallying quite strongly. And um, uh, and that kind of carried on through to the middle of the week. This was going into the earnings season, into the central bank meetings. Um, uh, and, and obviously kind of maybe riding a bit of the wave of this kind of unlimited bond buying from the Bank of Japan. And um, that was aided then by uh, Gilead's. Uh, testing for, um, and I'm sure I'm going to get this pronunciation wrong, but uh, Remdesivir. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty close. Well done. I'm quite happy. I'll take that. Um, so, yeah, so that kind of gave it that extra little push forward, um, this reminder that, um, that that this drug, which seems to have come into the spotlight, then they had its doubters, and now it's come back into the spotlight again, but this could be part of the solution, um, which is obviously extremely encouraging. It gave markets a big boost. I think that was on Wednesday. Uh, later on this week, we seem to have been taking a, a bit of a step back. Um, we had Trump's comments overnight re- referencing uh, tariffs uh, on China again, who he uh, outright blames uh, for the coronavirus being as bad as it is uh, and for it spreading as far and as rapidly and as badly as it has done. Uh, It's always difficult to know exactly what the angle uh, uh, he's going for is in terms of um, why he's doing this uh but i think uh, i think the fact that it's an election year probably has a lot to do with it the last thing he wants is for the finger of blame to be pointed his way so he's making it very clear that he thinks the finger of blame should be pointed towards china and i think this is going to be a very china-centric uh, election campaign and i think it's going to be made to be the the key issue uh, this year given what we're going through um but that seems to have not markets because that just brings us back to the old days of trade wars tariffs throwing that trade deal, the long-fought-for trade deal into jeopardy. And that really seems to have taken the edge off the markets at the end of the week. And you can see that um, late in Europe yesterday. You can see that in the in the US today. Obviously, we've had a market holiday in most of Europe today. But you can see that already on the open in the US as well. So uh, it's been a bit of an up-and-down week, should we say. And uh, for you, Ed, in New York, uh, would you agree with that overview or do you have a different perspective? I, I, I think... Craig gave a, a great uh, summary there, and I, I really like how he brought the attention also to uh, President Trump's comments um, on, on China and uh, his threat that, you know, some tariffs could be levied uh, be due to their handling of the coronavirus outbreak. And, and I, I think when we take a look at what has happened, uh, um, for, the, for the most part, uh, you know, the v-shaped recovery uh was pretty much firmly intact and i think uh um you know the this week we'll we'll have a couple of big takeaways uh number one uh i think uh you're gonna see that the mega caps did not really uh provide uh much confidence um amazon's uh bezos said that shareholders may want to take a seat uh apple's tim cook was 
pretty much optimistic in the recovery in the U.S., but he failed to give any guidance for the next quarter, even though we're already uh, entering the second month. So uh, I think that the uh, in, in investors were kind of using that uh, um, Trump um, cautious, uh, you know, tone as far as, you know, China, you know, needs to be, you know, on alert. Uh, he could you know, tariff them up to one trillion. I, I don't think anyone believes that though the president will will deliver um, any of these tariffs. Uh, this is an election year where uh, I can't believe we're in May and November. It's uh, we're we're um, six months away from this election, and uh, with the economy as fragile as it is, uh, there's no way that you know, we're going to see anything done to China uh, because that will really uh, put the economy on a softer footing. Uh, the other key takeaway, though, that I think that uh, really is uh, kind of uh, what people will remember about this week is that uh, there's been a change in the outlook for when we might get a vaccine uh, done. Uh, I, I think uh, the nation's top infectious disease expert, Tony Fauci, um, kind of uh, said that we're possibly going to see it done in January. And the reason uh, this is kind of, uh, you know, this is kind of, uh, you know, changing everyone's outlooks for when we're going to have a, a complete reopening of the economy is that a, a vaccine is needed for a, a good part of the population to, to come back to work, to come back to to uh, soccer, you know, football games, correction, uh, or to, to attend uh, um, gatherings and have safe travels um, overseas. We need a vaccine. And uh, the um, initial outlook was that that was going to take a year or two. And uh, the, the U.S. Is, is committing that they're going to lay on big bets where while uh, vaccines are making their ways through the trials, that they're going to start to mass produce these in hopes that they'll get the final approval. And that whole time frame is, has been shortened. So there's a chance that you're going to see a, a ton of supplies um, just get thrown out because the vaccines will fail at the uh, third key trial. But there's optimism that uh this could be in place by uh, January, and I think that is something that has really uh, changed the uh, the outlook for uh, the, the the recovery longer term. So I, I think that's that's providing uh, a little bit of a key safety net there. And and when we take a look at the central banks, uh, you know, we had two big ones this week: the Fed and the ECB. And and, and for the most part, I think the message is that um, you know nothing really got transpired this week, but I think what we're going to expect is more stimuluses down the road. And uh, I, I think, uh, especially from the Fed, uh, they're 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 extremely concerned about uh, the, the the risks to the outlook, and I, I think when you look at the the Fed, they're focused on how long is this lockdown going to persist in the U.S. There are certain parts of uh, the the country that are not going to reopen anytime soon, especially in New York, uh, and and I think they're going to look at. What type of permanent job losses are we going to see? Uh, and uh, are these workers going to be able to regain employment? And then um, I think that you're also going to see uh, um, uh, a lot of businesses uh, go bankrupt. And uh, with the negative global economic activity that's going to persist for the next couple of quarters, uh, you know, the, the, the Fed is ready to act and they're going to deliver more stimulus. So um, while I think you're, you're seeing uh, um, uh, two days now of, of 
strong stronger selling uh there there is still room for i think further weakness here but uh by no means i don't think we're going to see a retest of those lows because the stimulus trade will still be there and uh, i think there is uh, still um, positive optimism growing on the medical side Yes, and uh, the race for a vaccine is certainly going to make him a, a great film one day, isn't it, uh, guys? And, uh, you know, you talk about uh, Dr. Fauci and uh, his uh, speech about uh, January, but we've got this Oxford University group who are talking about also mass producing a vaccine uh, before it actually gets approved by September or October. So it's, it's fascinating uh, that, you know, there are some optimistic people out there who say that it is possible uh, that we could have a vaccine sooner or later. And Craig, I should mention the reappearance of Prime Minister Boris Johnson uh, in Thursday's coronavirus briefing, which I think was certainly a fillip for the government and, and possibly for markets themselves, because you know, he is the captain of the ship and he is back at the helm and he did actually have some good news. Well, it's always helpful uh, on, on your first appearance back when you can declare that we're past the peak of the virus um, in terms of cases and deaths, which is obviously a huge, huge relief for many people. Uh, that doesn't mean that there's still not going to be difficult times ahead and there may not be a second peak at some point. But I think that, like I said, that's a huge relief because then you can start to look past how bad is this going to get and start looking forward to when can we leave our houses again? When can small businesses reopen the doors and try to survive uh, another 12 months? Uh, because while there is government support right now, that doesn't mean it's going to be there uh, for too much longer. There's only so long that the, the government can continue to effectively throw cash around uh, in, in the hope that businesses don't, um, don't go out of business and in the hope that people don't lose their jobs. But already we are seeing that there's a limit to these uh, packages because you see the the Ryanair, the um, the IAGs, uh, etc. of this world announcing job cuts this week. That's got that's in spite of the furlough scheme. The furlough scheme has provided short term cover, but it's not going to provide respite for the fact that planes aren't going to be full for the uh, for for at least. 12 months, uh, if not longer. Some of them predicting it's going to take years to get back to capacity levels that we were seeing at the start of this year. It's not going to change the fact that restaurants aren't going to be full, that there's going to be social distancing measures when things do open, which are going to affect capacity, which is going to affect how many staff are needed. So there's still going to be a lot of difficulty and a lot of challenges ahead. Uh, but what we were hearing in the briefing yesterday was obviously extremely encouraging um, uh, and clearly uh, Boris himself is doing a lot better although I mean I think he still looks far from 100% which just goes to show um, how um, how bad this, this virus really is I guess you could see that from him um, uh, uh, during the actual briefing itself um, but yeah I think as I'd alluded to earlier I think we're seeing positive momentum growing the fact that it's backstopped by unlimited uh, stimulus is obviously helpful. We've now got QE Infinity from the Federal Reserve. We've got QE Infinity from the Bank of Japan. We've got the ECB announcing new measures at every turn. We've got the Bank of England next week. We've got uh, central banks dipping their toe into the, into the quantitative easing pool. This is a very well-supported and well-backed market. And when you've got central banks even buying up distressed assets, junk, uh, accepting junk bonds as collateral as the ECB is, now is, buying up ETFs, basically looking at every corner of the market, every dark corner of the market, and throwing cash at the problem, then it's no surprise that investors are saying, well, I understand the fundamentals aren't anywhere near as good as they were 
uh, two months ago. But also, there's way more cash in the system than there was, so that has to be taken into consideration. So, uh, as Ed alluded to, I don't think I, I thought we'd test the lows at one point, but I think now it's got to the point when we're starting to see sufficiently good news, and we've got all that stimulus as well that. I do think any any dips may look more attractive than they did a month ago to investors. The oil market wasn't quite as um, crazy as we've seen in the last few weeks. Uh, as we speak, Brent's around about $26 and WTI is $20 a barrel. Ed, your view on oil this week? I, I, th- I think that right now we're finally seeing that uh, supply is, is coming closer to demand. Um, I think this oversupplied market was uh, screaming for um, worldwide production cuts, and, and, and now we're finally seeing it. Uh, I think this week we finally saw um, uh, ConocoPhillips deliver cuts. Norway decided that they were going to provide some more cuts. Uh, today we had two big earnings results from Exxon and Chevron uh, slashing capital expenditures it, it it's it's just a continuing trend where you're seeing all these oil giants just uh pretty much fall in line as far as uh, reducing you know their new projects going forward uh these production cuts are going to be intensified because uh the oil market was uh, getting close to reaching tank tops and I, I think that right now you're finally starting to see some constructive uh pricing here for oil prices i think the <laughs> the fears that uh the uh, negative prices were gonna possibly uh, happen again um have eased and uh um uh, it's still going to be an ugly time for the energy space i think you're still going to see a, a, a tremendous amount of U.S. shale producers go out out of business. Uh, the uh, the the whole the whole space is um, right now heavily indebted, and, and I think that you're going to have a lot more defaults. It's still uh, you're probably going to see uh, further consolidations. M&A activity might pick up, uh, but right now I think that uh, um, investors are are kind of uh, taking a little bit of relief that you're seeing that uh, uh, production cuts are not just happening in the U.S., it is worldwide, uh, and that, you know, the OPEC plus production cuts are taking effect today, and and uh, there's high optimism that you're going to see um, uh, strong compliance because there's just not enough um, place to uh, put this oil, and, and right now that's going to be the, the primary driver right now as, as uh, eventually we will start to see uh, much more uh, deeper production cuts. And then I think eventually um, I would not be surprised if uh, uh, we saw a deficit um, and by the end of June or possibly July. Okay, let's talk central banks and start with you, Craig. Uh, announcement from both the ECB and the Fed. Was it the Fed which was more interesting? No, quite the opposite. I mean, the Fed's been obviously more interesting uh, for the vast majority of the last couple of months. Basically, they have been the backstop for the markets. It's all of their um, very uh, their very um, uh, specific measures that they have implemented, which has effectively backstopped the market. And other central banks have just added piles of liquidity and looked to uh, provide backstop in certain areas. But it's very much been the Fed who's been um, who has been behind this recovery to a great extent. But this week it was down to the ECB and Christine Lagarde. The Fed didn't have too much to tweak as far as this week is concerned. Um, just again, reminding people that they stand and they're willing and ready and they've still got plenty more that they can do. But it was the ECB where I think there was going to be a lot more scrutiny. 
Uh, the reason be uh, the reason being that for one, uh, we've just seen Italy and uh, France fall into recession. So they had uh, slight contractions in the fourth quarter of last year. They had severe contractions in the first quarter of this, as of confirmed on Thursday. As did Spain, but obviously didn't contract in the fourth quarter. So we've now got two countries in recession. Let's face it, the rest of it's in recession as well, but officially, technically, in recession, uh, and that poses a risk particularly for Italy. They now they have a high debt load. It was previously around 140 percent of GDP. It's now estimated to be closer to 155, 160%. And I, I even imagine those estimates are probably conservative uh, by the end of this year when we start to get a real grasp of what the growth outlook is looking like here. The importance of that being that their credit rating is only just above junk with the three major ratings agencies, Moody's, S&P and Fitch. And they had one downgrade this week, I think, from Fitch to one notch above junk. And again, that's important because the ECB last week uh, adapted its collateral rules so that it would accept what they called falling angels uh, as collateral as part of their one of their credit schemes in order to continue to get that liquidity through the financial system. A fallen angel is effectively uh, a bond which was previously, I think it was two notches above junk, uh, but has since fallen into junk territory think, since the coronavirus crisis. So effectively, through no fault of its own, it's now a junk bond. So the ECB has accepted that it will continue to accept them even though it doesn't fall in line with what it previously stated. People were expecting on Thursday this week that they were going to announce a similar measure for their bond buying program, just in case Italy, Italy's debt falls into junk. Italy's debt didn't fall into junk, and I think that's the reason why the ECB held off on that for now. Maybe something they'll utilise in a few months' time when we get more uh, review, uh, ratings reviews uh, and the risk of junk territory returns. But instead, they announced uh, a new scheme. So rather than increasing the PEP scheme, which is the Pandemic Emergency Purchase Programme, people are expecting them to increase that from 750 billion euros to 1.5, 1.25 trillion euros. Instead, they announced a new scheme. And again, they, the ECB do love an acronym, so I do apologise. But they, they introduced PELTROS, which is um, non-targeted pandemic emergency LTROs, um, long-term refinancing operations. So basically very much designed specifically uh, as a short-term measure to help companies deal with uh, deal with the coronavirus. And I think that was half a trillion euros that that was announced at. So a big program, very targeted program towards helping these companies affected by the pandemic. Uh, and they also, um, they, 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 also uh, eased other uh, um, uh, measures as well. Uh, the rate on the TLTRO3 program, they they lowered the rate on that as well to, again, uh, try and uh, target these areas of the economy that which are feeling the pinch more. These may not sound like too much to most people, but these are the, these are the type of programs that really make a difference to those specific parts of the economy and that will enable stability uh, for many of these companies. We've seen this from many central banks who have announced similar measures um, at this point in the UK, in the US and elsewhere. And this is the ECB effectively updating is updating theirs. Like I said, the details are always boring, but the point is that they are taking on very targeted, very unique uh, measures during this crisis, the likes of which would have probably been pretty unthinkable uh, 15 years ago prior to the global financial crisis, but seem to just become all too common now, and especially at this moment in time. Unconventional monetary policy is all the rage. Every Almost every central bank around the world is doing something unconventional. Right then, uh, let's talk about earnings season, which is well underway now, uh, Ed. And what were the pick of the bunch as far as the results were concerned? I, I think you can't uh, avoid uh, talking about Apple and Amazon. Um, uh, for, for the most part, we 
you know, I, I think everyone was expecting um, um, the two mega caps to deliver, and and, and for the most part, uh, um, uh, Apple had a very uh, a strong improvement with uh, their services revenue, and I think longer term, this is just uh, providing uh, more optimism that they're 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 going to be able to diversify their revenue streams away from the iPhone. Um, their 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 um, outlook as far as China goes is is encouraging. I think that they're provi- they're they're I I think right now you're probably going to see the share prices for Apple possibly still be under pressure, but. Their balance sheet is just—it's uh, just uh, too attractive. They—they they have too much cash. They are able to continue to do buybacks. They're providing uh, strong dividends. I, I think that right now you're going to see—you um, know—how how many companies are able to increase buybacks and raise dividends? Uh, not many right now in this environment. And Apple is—is—is is, uh, is likely to 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 remain a, a key investment for many portfolios. So I think uh, in the short term, right now, there's. Probably still um, room for uh, some pressure there, uh, but uh, overall, um, I, I think that uh, you know the outlook is still looking pretty good for for Apple. And, uh, and when we take a look at Amazon, I think that um, I, I think everyone was surprised. Uh, everyone thought that Amazon was just going to knock the ball out of the park uh, this go around, and uh, uh, it turns out the uh, COVID nineteen expenses are uh, a lot greater than many anticipated, and that's what kind of um, took away from their profits. Uh, they they had a, you know, a strong revenue beat. But the the earnings came in well shy of the estimate, and I think that uh, what many people are commending them on is that they were able to provide uh, guidance for the next quarter, and uh, um, it, it pretty much came um, it was wide, but within the consensus. And I think that there is expectations that uh, you know once we're beyond this pandemic, uh, Amazon will be better. They'll be better positioned to um, uh, I think uh, continue to grow their business as as you've seen um, I think uh, increased. Uh, interest in, in, in becoming prime subscribers to uh, to just uh, whether it's get groceries delivered um, or with their cloud revenues. Uh, there's there's just a, a, a good reason to be optimistic, I think, longer term. Uh, but just right now, just like Apple in the short term right now, it does seem like, uh, the, you know, a lot of these shares have rallied tremendously since those March 23rd lows. So you're probably going to see uh, continued profit taking. But I, you know, I would still see uh, many investors be uh, pretty happy with uh, the results. Uh, uh, as far as uh, maintaining a, a longer-term outlook for for these uh, two two giants, um, and then when we take a look at uh, I think uh, some of the other key ones, we had the credit cards uh, uh, last night, Visa. I think one of the interesting things that when we take a look at earnings is that um, everyone knows that uh, you know you're pretty much going to see. Uh, similar story from from uh, companies in the same sectors, and uh, I think uh, the the key trend that we're getting from the financials from credit card companies is that uh, expectations are growing that we're going to see even a greater slowdown with consumer spending. Uh, I think for like companies like Visa, um, a lot of people are emphasizing their cross-border payments, which declined uh, 2%. And that's a huge part of where they make their money. And I think that's going to start to, you know, be heavily dependent upon, you know, when will we see people return to traveling, and uh, I think uh, you know you, you you pull people all across the country. You know, if you're in a big city, you're 
pretty much saying you're not traveling for the rest of the year outside of the outside of the these uh, uh major cities you're you're having people say well i mean you know, i expect to do my trip in thanksgiving well well i i think it's 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 going to be something that we won't have a normal uh travel i think s scenario for for quite some time and, and that's going to continue to weigh a lot on these credit card companies um, and also uh, on these airlines and uh, i think uh, united also provided uh, uh their results and um, right now um, air the airline trade no one cares about the earnings the EP the eps the revenue it doesn't matter about that it's all about cash how much cash do they have on hand and how much cash are they burning through and when is that going to uh, moderate and uh, i think that you're you're probably seeing um, um, expectations be that uh, governments will provide enough support to keep these airlines afloat and uh, i think um, as economies reopen you know there is expectations for you know the the airliners to recover but they're going to be one of the, the the lagging ones to that will i think see uh, a more return to normalcy so uh, a very mixed picture but i think everyone is pretty much focused on uh, lackluster um, uh, results for the next quarter and uh, you know so some some companies will uh, um, probably uh, continue to uh, see pressures and uh, unfortunately uh, this does not bode well for the uh, economic situation in the US and uh, you're probably going to continue to see um, uh, job losses um, not really come back uh, completely as uh, as uh, economies um, start to to to, to reopen. So I, I think uh, the the outlook is uh, somewhat downbeat, but overall, um, when we take a look at the uh, the the trajectory, the longer term, I think there is still optimism that uh, you, you'll 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 have higher equities. Um, you know, 2021, 2022. Um, but right now, it's just going to be a, kind of a sluggish trade. And, and that's kind of where we are right now. Yeah, the outlook certainly downbeat for downbeat for uh, the travel and the uh, airlines community. It was quite a shocking admission yesterday we saw, Craig, from uh, British Airways that uh, they won't be returning. Well, it's likely they won't be returning to Gatwick Airport, which uh, everybody knows is the uh, UK's second biggest airport. And you said that six months ago. They wouldn't believe you, but it, that is quite an uh, amazing admission. Before I let you go, guys, um, a, a look ahead to next week. And Craig, first, with what you're looking forward to. So, I mean, I, I think um, we've obviously got more earnings, which I'm sure Ed will touch on. Uh, I think the key one from the central bank perspective next week, well, there's two. There's the Bank of England, which up until today I was kind of expecting that there wouldn't be too much to report back from. Most central banks at this point in time are having special meetings, um, unarranged meetings, where they are announcing these policy stimulus measures. We have to remember the Bank of England's... Um, uh, last policy announcement where they announced m major changes was actually the day of the budget and uh, they did so at 7am. Well, this afternoon the Bank of England has announced that on Thursday their announcements, their, their policy decision will be announced at 7am again rather than midday. So that made me think that maybe they do have something to announce uh, which is why they're doing it just before the market open. Uh, obviously we won't know that for sure but it seems a strange decision to make if there isn't anything to announce. So I think that'll make speculation over the next few days a lot more interesting. And obviously we've got the um, Reserve Bank of Australia as well announcing their policy decision on Tuesday. They've been uh, dipping their toe into the QE pool. They've been tapering that, that back already. Uh, they wanted to effectively stabilise the yield curve, bring short-term rates down uh, and manage the yield curve around 0.25% uh, for the three-year uh, at a time when the 
the Australian government was um, was raising uh, a lot of cash on the markets like everyone else, and they've successfully done that. So I think there's not going to be an interest rate cut from 0.25%, but there is, um, I think there'll be a lot of uh, questions around whether they will look to further taper that QE um, uh, over the coming months, and we'll be looking for hints from there. Uh, but apart from that, like I say, it, it's 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 the con- continued volatility. It's oil again with the June contract expiring in about two and a half weeks, I think. Uh, and then earnings, which um, not going to get going to have as many big hitters as we've seen the last few weeks. But uh, like I say, I'm sure Ed will be able to add more to that. Yeah, Ed, final word to you. Yes. So um, taking a look at next week, I think that you're going to see um, a big uh, emphasis on the employment situation in the U.S. Uh, jobless claims uh, expected to come in at another uh, uh, depressing uh, three million. Um, so if that does come to place, that means 33 million jobs lost uh, throughout this uh, COVID-19 pan- uh, pandemic. And I, I think that uh, well, on Friday, we'll have the uh, non-farm payroll results. Uh, more people will probably pay closer attention to the un- unemployment rate. That could come in as high as 16%. Uh, so so there's going to be uh, just a tremendous focus as far as, you know, uh, where are the job losses? I think that uh, when we take a look at what has happened in the past uh, uh, several weeks, there's been... Uh, a steady flow of job losses across all sectors now. So initially it was more uh, just the, the retail, the barbershops, and then it started to, to spread its way across trade and, and uh, further parts of the economy. So there's growing, growing concern that the job losses are going to be more um, uh, much worse than in nearly uh, initially anticipated. Um, on the earnings front, I think that, uh, you know, uh, this is this was the big week for earnings. So next week, uh, things do uh, tend to they slow down a little bit. Uh, but there's going to be some big reports from uh, GM and Fiat. I think uh, there, there's uh, the, the, you know, the and during the financial crisis, we, we saw that government had to bail out these uh, auto manufacturers. And uh, I think we're going to see uh, just a continued weakness here. Um, no one's buying cars right now. And uh, I think that you're going to probably see uh, um, possibly uh, more announcements loss as far as uh, uh, positions. And uh, there's going to be skepticism um, as far as, you know, which which parts of the economy are going to be able to bounce back. Um, um, also on the earnings side, uh, there's going to be a, a, quite a few uh, entertainment and travel reports, uh, Disney, uh, JetBlue, uh, the airlines, Alaska Air, IAG, Air France. So you're, you're, you're going to see uh, many investors try to, to see as, as far as uh, when uh, people are pricing in their expectations for uh, just uh, um when the, they might see some more normalcy or how many um, um, losses to air flights that we're going to see permanently done. And and, and I think there's going to be uh, that big focus on their, their cash because um, right now um, uh, a lot of these companies are struggling. They're, everyone's trying to raise money right now, and uh, I think that uh, that's going to be closely watched. Um, and and uh, uh, for, for the most part, on the, we're going to see pretty much the financials ra- um, wrap things up. There's going to be... Um, a, a lot of um, um, close attention to Nomura's results and the unit credit, um, but uh, I think uh, you know, the, I think everyone would be surprised if they really painted a different picture than what we saw from uh, some of the uh, the earlier banks that reported. And uh, that's pretty much, uh, I think, the, the the big things that I'm looking at. Uh, Craig covered um, uh, the, the key decisions before. A very comprehensive overview for next week from both of you. Enjoy your weekend, guys, and speak to you again soon. Thank you very much. Have a good weekend.
That was the Oanda podcast from the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am, listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.